0: G'day, mate. Welcome to episode 64 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In this week's episode, EPC coach Nick Taylor is going to be digging deep into creatine, into creatine, a supplement that's often only thought for strength and power athletes. Can this be useful for endurance athletes? And then in the Harden Up project, we're going to look at the difference between injury pain and training discomfort. Let's get into it.
1: Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach, Matty Graham, to find out how to train smart and maximize your performance, Performance no matter who you are.
0: Nick Taylor, good to have you here, mate. Now, I think we're gonna have to change the introduction to the podcast, the the intro song, or uh, what do you call that thing?
1: Uh, I would have called it an intro song,
0: maybe. An intro song. uh, I think we're going to have to get it changed and get your name on there, mate, because it's still just uh, the Exponential Performance Podcast with Matty Graham. Uh, And obviously you've been here for a while now, and I don't think you're going anywhere. So it's probably safe to get your name put on it.
1: (laughs) Getting comfy in my leather chair on a Monday night in my office. Good. Yes. Uh, But it would be good because I... When I was listening to the podcast in the earlier days, that that intro was one of those kind of like, you really got a bit fired up from the introduction when that guy comes on with uh, the deeper, sort of slightly American voice.
0: Oh, it's not even slightly American. (laughs) It's
1: like full-on American,
0: eh? We might have to look for another voiceover dude to do it. If you know of someone that would be a good voiceover person to do the recording, let me know and we'll work on getting a new intro sorted out that includes uh, Nick Taylor's name in
1: it. There you go. Thank you. It's an honour. Mate, so what's been happening this week? Uh, this week, what are we, Monday? So we're at the end of my, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about my, my three-week sort of build and training. Um, so that sort of culminated yesterday with the uh, race two of the Dunedin Cyclocross Series. Uh, so feeling pretty, pretty tired today, actually, after three weeks of, of building. Um, people are familiar with sort of TSS on the training peak side of things it was sort of about a about a 550 a 650 and then a 750 in terms of total stress for the weeks um, so certainly ramped it up this last week um, but feeling good feeling strong um, and had a really good race today too which was good it was a course that suited me a lot more sort of power um, than hill requirements so we say
0: mm, nice mate it's
1: going hard yeah yeah it's, it's a a discipline that I've kind of jumped on and it suits me because I'm a, a slightly bigger character so going up and down hills all day does wear me out uh, but I can push push quite hard and I'm getting getting really comfortable with with pushing harder powers and, and doing some power-based training instead of just heart rate stuff as well which has been quite refreshing um, and a wee bit more specific I guess to to that kind of cycle cross racing so mm,
0: nice mate nice yeah. um Before we crack into uh, everything today, I've got a comment that uh, Scott Witherell sent through. Now, Scott uh, is a dude from Dunedin. Um, I helped him out with the Coast to Coast a couple of years ago uh, when he raced it to raise awareness uh, for that I Am Hope uh, charity, uh, raising awareness of mental health. Uh, And this is just a quick message from him that came through uh, in the episode 61 that I did with Milan about mental health for endurance
2: athletes. So here's Scott's comments. Uh, Maddie, another guest, uh, top interview fellas. Um, Obviously, Maddie, as you're aware, I'm pretty keen on uh, positive promotion on mental health. it doesn't always mean mental illness, but um, it's it's just a um, process that uh, lots of us in the community uh, are tapping into on a regular basis, an ongoing basis, and uh, positively positively promoting uh, mental health is a great thing, and I think any conversation about it has got to be good. There's absolutely a direct link between uh, physical uh, health and mental health, and if people are active in just one way or another, uh, that's got to be a good thing. Um, but your top athletes, hey, look, we're, the, those guys are probably overrepresented as well, like you say, with um, some of the challenges that they face. And, and seeing some top athletes like Steve Gurney uh, talk about um, their own battles with mental health are just fantastic. and um, Yeah, hey, I think, like I say, any conversations are great conversations. Well done, fellas. Yeah, so thanks for
0: sending that through, Scott, and after that uh, episode 61, that I, the interview that I did with Milan, I had a, had a heap of people reaching out as well, and I think you did as well, Nick, um, just on how they enjoyed the episode, how it was really informative, and sort of uh, opened up their thoughts thoughts around the, the subject as well, and almost like uh, that they weren't the only one that, was ha- you know, that were having these uh, little battles going on inside their head, so to speak. Okay. I really liked what Scott said there about um, that mental health is not just about mental illness, although it, it is part of it, but just that just general day-to-day mental health is, is really important.
1: I guess it's, uh, mental health is a bit like a warrant of fitness for your mind, isn't it? Mm. So we, we, go, we go to the doctor and we get a physical check up every now and then, uh, or we go to a nutritionist and we get a, an overhaul of our nutrition and make sure we're putting in the, the right fuel for, for life and for training. But very seldom will people go and, and sit in front of a, a counsellor or a, someone who who is a little bit more of a, a specialised area in, in mental health, uh, whether it be a sports psychologist even, um, and talk about the ups and downs of sport and their performance and the, where their mind is at with that. Mm. Um, and whether it's a driving that for sports performance, or whether it's a driving that for for better mental health in life and at home with the family, friends, and, and the community. Uh, and Scott actually reached out to me after that episode with me being based in Dunedin. Uh, we went and grabbed a coffee <clears throat> a few weeks ago, and that man knows everybody in the local community. So it was a wee coffee shop uh, out near where he lives, and you know every second person was oh hey Scott, hey Scott, and He was talking about their families and and so forth and he's a very unique kind of character with his uh, ambulance service work that he does for Mm. St John and he talks about the fact that he sees so many of the unfortunate end results of people with mental health that haven't had support and haven't had help and and have got to that point of of not being able to carry on. And then obviously his work through the I Am Hope and bringing it back the other way and and helping these people out at the earlier stages. Uh, So we're hoping to to get Scott on and in a few weeks' time maybe for a bit of an interview on the podcast and, and, and address some of these issues and, and talk about some of the stuff that he's doing in the community and that the I, I Am Hope project can actually help with.
0: Yeah, brilliant. So you really encourage people to you know, keep chipping away at that uh, ongoing mental health um, maintenance um, that is so important on that day-to-day basis. Awesome. So thanks, Scott. We look forward to chatting with you in the future. Now, Nick, you're going to uh, jump back into some nutritional supplementation today.
1: I am, and I'm going to, to use a lot of stuff from a, a white paper that I'm holding, for those that have actually seen the video on YouTube. Uh, so don't be discouraged if you see me flicking back and forth so if you can hear the paper. But creatine is probably one of the most talked about supplements in, uh, in the sporting world. More so in the, the gym side of things, uh, but also from an endurance point of view, it's, it's always one of those ones that it's kind of on the verge of, do I take it, do I not, is there a benefit? Uh, and people are, I think, sometimes put off because they see it in the, the gym spectrum of the, what the supplement that's making people big and bulky and strong, and the marathon runner thinks, oh, I don't want to be big, bulky, and strong. But what's quite interesting, I guess, with creatine is, and I, I will read, from word for word for a second, is studies have consistently shown that creatine supplementation increases intramuscular creatine concentrations, can improve exercise performance, and or improve training adaptations. Research has indicated that creatine supplementation may enhance post-exercise recovery, injury prevention, thermoregulation, rehabilitation, and concussion and or spinal cord neuroprotection. So this magical, I say white powder because it is a white powder, is responsible for a really cool, I guess, level of uh, support for athletes, but also for people in that kind of, I guess, brain rehab and, and injury rehabilitation area. So the review that I've come across is from the International Society of Sports Nutrition, and it's their position stand on the safety and efficacy of creatine supplementation in exercise, sport, and medicine. So, probably not going to get too many bigger societies than the International Society of Sports Nutrition to do a review. And I wasn't entirely sure where to start with the conversation around creatine, but the the line in this paper that I really like is here. So, the International Society of Sports Nutrition has previously concluded... And its position stand on creatine supplementation that creatine monohydrate, which is a form of creatine, is the most effective ergonomic nutritional supplement currently available to athletes in terms of increasing high intensity exercise capacity and lean body mass during training. So I don't know about you, Maddie, but I don't know if it gets much more definitive than that from an organization like this
2: yeah man and like
0: uh, that uh, who did you say it was from again the uh, national International
1: Society of sports Nutrition
0: yeah I mean any any international society of sports nutrition, they always tend to run super conservatively as well like um if you're looking for nutritional advice, say just generally on the on the internet, there's all sorts of you know claims ideas out there, but when you go actually to you know an international society like this, Everything that they, you know, conclude on is super well researched um, and, you know, they don't just throw things out there just for, you know, the sake of it. Everything has to be backed up pretty with, or not pretty, but very strong, you know, research evidence.
1: Yeah. And that's probably the hardest part, I guess, for the everyday person looking up on the Internet, okay, Mm. I want to research creatine, you type in creatine into the internet and you're just bombarded with uh, websites after websites from companies that are either making creatine or some sort of bodybuilding website that's just talking about how ripped you're going to be or jacked up you're going to be on creatine. Uh, And that puts off the average endurance athlete especially. Um, But Mm -hmm. we have, I guess, and I, I honestly couldn't tell you what episode it is, you might have to look that up for me, but when we're talking about the energy systems that... Yeah,
0: so uh, episode 54, actually, that sprung to mind as soon as you started talking about creatine. Episode 54, we delved into the energy systems.
1: Yeah, and so that was the, the PCR system, if I remember correctly, phosphocreatine. Yes. System. So creatine, I guess, is a if we go right back to what creatine is, is a what they call a non-protein amino acid. So we've looked at amino acids before, uh, creatine is an amino acid, but... It's a non-protein one, which means it's not being used to form sort of muscular structures in the body when it's put together. Majority of creatine that we get on a daily basis, so everybody listening to this podcast will be getting creatine on a daily basis, and you will have creatine inside your muscles. So when we talk about supplementation, we're not talking about adding something that you haven't got already, which is quite cool. But. A lot of it's found in uh, sort of red meats and seafood from a nutritional point of view. Inside the body, the majority of creatine is stored in our muscles. Um, there is also a little bit uh, around about that 5% mark stored in the brain. So 95% is kept in our muscles.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if you think back to episode 54 when we talked about the uh, phosphocreatine or the um, ATP-PCR system. When we're thinking about it the pcr the cr of the pcr is creatine so creatine attaches to the phosphate molecule which helps us convert all of those uh free floating phosphates back into atp to regenerate that energy supply that we're after so we've got those um, those ATP stored in the muscle, then we've got that phosphocreatine in the muscle as well. So once we're out of ATP, there's another little turbo booster there using the phosphocreatines to donate um, to the ATP or the ADP to give us back to ATP. If you're completely lost, go back and check out episode 54 where we talk about that. But it's not you don't even really need to know those details in, uh, in terms of uh, well, it's good to know why they help you, but just by taking it, it's good. So you've got more of the creatine floating around in your system so that when you're going to produce lots of high-intensity energy, boom, it's right there ready for it.
1: On, on average, it's reported that, so they use a 70 kg male, which is kind of, in, in science, is always kind of the reference uh, point, has about 120 millimoles per kg of creatine. So the more muscle mass you have above that obviously you're going to hold more because we store it all in our muscles. The interesting thing is they report it's about 90 to 100 millimoles per kg for a vegetarian. Now that's probably one of the big Mm -hmm. sort of takeaways from some of the stuff around creatine is because it's predominantly found in animal meats, uh, vegetarians tend to have a lot less. so the vegetarian kind of power athlete especially, um, could benefit quite heavily from some creatine supplementation. But we will uh, have a wee look into that in a wee bit of time. Uh, On average, the body turns over creatine or, I say turnover, needs to replenish about one to three grams of creatine a day. So that's your average person who's not strength training, not power training or sort of sprint maximally training. So therefore, there are some really cool benefits, I guess, and need for supplementation, especially when you're looking at the the athlete side of things. Now, a lot of research looks at, like I said before, power, sports, so weightlifting, uh, sprint training, sprint cycling, even swimming to some extent. And that's where a lot of the, the recommendations have come from. So one of the the big kind of question marks for endurance sport has always been around the amount of, I guess, water that is re- held or retained while supplementating with creatine. And so when you hold on to water, you tend to get bigger and you, a little bit bulkier, which the bodybuilding community like. But also, obviously, that puts your weight gain up. So there's still some, some questions in, in terms of that aspect with, with endurance sport. But from a generalized point of view, we're going to sort of talk about some I guess the dosing and how you would supplement it to start with. And it seems to be the most effective way to increase your muscles create, uh, the muscle creatine levels is to ingest five grams of creatine upwards of five times a day for about five to seven days. So you need this really high kind of ramp to start with. And then post that you can maintain your levels uh, with about three, or five, three to five grams a day going forward. Interestingly enough, if you ramp up and you you really fully saturate your muscles with a creatine supplementation, it takes about four to six weeks for those levels to drop off if you just did the seven days and stopped taking it. It takes, yeah, about four to six weeks for it to kind of tail off. So your body does retain a lot of it uh, for quite some time. But if you're wanting to maintain your levels and maintain performance benefits, then you need to keep daily supplementing with around that three to five gram mark. It does also talk about in this report that the muscles on a normal day-to-day diet are only about 60% saturated with creatine, so there's quite a bit of extra room for us to add in some supplementation, uh, which will help with those uh, sort of top-end performance benefits that, that Maddie was talking about before. In terms of the potential, I guess, benefits of creatine, uh, there are a whole list of things in this article, but I'll read them out and then we can maybe delve into a little bit about each one. So we have increased single and repetitive sprint performance, increased work performance during sets and maximal effort muscle contractions, increased muscle mass and strength adaptations during training, enhanced glycogen synthesis, increased anaerobic threshold, possible enhancement of aerobic capacity by greater shuttling of ATP from the mitochondria and increased work capacity, enhanced recovery, and a greater training tolerance. So there's a whole raft of benefits there, whether you're looking at an endurance athlete or a power and sprint athlete. And probably one of the, I guess, bigger uh, conversation pieces from an endurance point of view is if you are conducting some sort of strength training in the gym, or you are doing some anaerobic work, you're working on your, your VO2 max, you're working on your sprint or your repeat sprints, whether you're a, uh, sort of a road cyclist, you will get some of these training benefits on those key areas, even though it's not 100% specific to your race. But you're going to be able to work harder in the gyms, let's say. So therefore, you're going to be stronger come race day uh, for your Ironman triathlon. So there's a, not always a direct... Creatine increases man triathlon performance, but Creatine does XYZ over here, which adds up to, to helping out on race day.
0: Yeah, awesome. And I guess if you are, because uh, I guess that's another hurdle in some people's mind, is that, oh, well, I don't do strength training because that doesn't help endurance performance. Do you know what I mean? So mm. if you aren't sure about the link between strength training and endurance, make sure you get back and check out episode 14, uh, where I delve into strength training for endurance athletes and the two different ways that strength training can improve endurance performance uh, directly and indirectly. And if you haven't listened to that, then supplementing with creatine is going to make you perform better in the gym during that direct performance improvement uh, that you're chasing, which is going to improve your maximal strength through your training on a day-to-day basis, and that maximal strength then leads in to improved endurance performance um, through improved uh, neuromuscular uh, activity and rate of force development primarily. But check out episode 14 if you want more background around that uh, that strength training for endurance athletes.
1: Yeah, perfect, perfect. And another another point that they go through in this report is around recovery. And how creatine is generally, again, in people's minds, they think, pre-workout sort of supplementation of creatine to enhance their training, uh, lifting more, sprinting faster, or whatever it might be. But there is some really cool evidence around creatine's use for recovery. And it says here, since glycogen replenishment, now remember glycogen is the, the stored fuel in the muscles. So when we're exercising, we're using our glycogen to create glucose to energy. So glycogen replenishment is important to promoting recovery and preventing overtraining during intensified training periods. So automatically my mind's thinking, right, you know, endurance athletes are depleting glycogen almost daily in their training. Uh, Creatine supplementation may help athletes who deplete large amounts of glycogen during training and or performance to maintain optimal glycogen levels. Evidence also suggests that creatine supplementation may reduce muscle damage and or enhance recovery from intense exercise. So here we have a supplementation that you can take simply in a five-gram powder. 99% of them have no taste whatsoever. And it's going to help with refueling your muscles after training so you can potentially train again harder the next day, which is pretty cool. And further to that, there is strong evidence that creatine supplementation can help athletes enhance glycogen loading, so making sure your muscles are really nice and full of energy before we go out on these prolonged exercise periods, experience less inflammation following intense exercise, tolerate higher volumes of training, and prevent overreaching or becoming uh, overtrained, I guess, from, from harder training blocks. So. It's going to enable you to potentially push harder in training, and uh, adapt to that training volume, and therefore your performance is going to be higher coming out the other side. So again, some really cool benefits just by by the sort of simple supplementation process. That and again, even in my mind before I, I jumped onto some of these sort of things, there's always a little bit of is it is it good for endurance athletes? Am I just wasting my time with my creatine supplementation? Is it just you know helping me when I go to the gym? But I think there's some really cool benefits from that recovery potential, especially, Uh, but also Mm. from an injury prevention. Um, And so the next bit is looking that there's, in the peer review literature, there is no evidence that creatine supplementation increases the reported incident of musculoskeletal injuries. So there's a lot of kind of controversy around creatine that it's making people push harder And it's that, therefore, causes an injury. So there doesn't appear to be any actual hard science that suggests that link is there. And it really says here, if anything, the evidence reveals that athletes who take creatine during training and competition experience a lower incidence of injuries compared to those that do not. So again, we've got a supplementation that can help uh, provide the muscles and the body with what it needs to train hard and recover from hard training. And that can prevent us from, from occurring injuries or picking up an injury down the track. Mm, that's an awesome uh, benefit of it, isn't it? It is, really. I mean, we've got protein. So, you know, everyone is fairly well versed these days on taking protein uh, sort of post-training to, to recover and so forth. But I think creatine's almost up there in terms of being as important uh, mm. and probably has some better performance benefits during the training session. That can help, uh, and when you stack that on top of the recovery benefits, certainly outweighs the the protein um, componentry. Yeah, that's awesome. In the article, they now kind of go into the use, I guess, around from a medical point of view, which I'm not going to touch on because that gets quite detailed and quite full on. Uh, but I will send Maddie this article to pop up on the show notes.
0: Yep. If you are going to dig, if you do want to dig deep into this, we'll put a link up to it over in the show notes and that'll be over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 64 for episode 64. And any other of the resources that we mentioned on today's episode will be over there as well. Perfect.
1: And so the only thing I would touch on then for the, the final, and if, I had a few questions after last week's one around glutamine with people asking me, what brand do I use, where do I buy it from, and, and so forth. And Creatine is, again, very similar to what I said about glutamine. 99% of the supplements you're going to buy off the shelf in New Zealand especially uh, are safe. They're all the same. So you're looking for creatine monohydrate. Uh, there are a few other forms floating around that claim to be uh, better absorbed or uh, better for the body, but creatine monohydrate is the one that's extensively studied. And in New Zealand on the shelf, everything you will be buying will be safe from a, a sort of a substance free. If you are a, like a high performance athlete that is drug tested, then you need to go through the appropriate kind of channels with your sport to make sure you're using a brand that they're happy for you to use with that side of things. Um, but I would be wary buying stuff online from overseas. Um, if you live overseas, because I know we have some international listeners, then you need to find a, a source that you trust. Um, some, some reputable brands from a creatine point of view, um, EHP Labs, Muscle Farm uh, are two that I would certainly stand behind quite strongly. Uh, Balanced Sport Nutrition as well would be another one. Um, and there will be others. That's just the, the three main ones that I would uh, pick up myself.
0: Nice. So... As, I guess as a, as a take takeaway, if anyone wants to jump on some creatine supplementation, whether it be a big training block coming up or whether it's uh, just something they want to integrate into their overall training and recovery phase, Nick, what would be the, the, the steps from now, go get yourself some creatine and then what? I know you did mention, you know, how yeah. to take it, when to take it, but just as a uh, take-home for everybody.
1: Yeah, so... I've never personally gone down the the loading phase, uh, but I have used it ongoing now for probably three to six months, um, sort of continuously. So I'd say if you've got a big block of training coming up in the next few weeks, yeah, grab yourself a tub and jump on a a sort of loading phase. And they they talk about 0.3 grams of uh, creatine per kg of body weight. So that gives you a rough indication because there will be a vast amount of different weights around. So most serving sizes you'll get will be five grams. So work out approximately what you need to get to. Take that for five days. So load up, um, spread the dose over as many as you can. So I'd go five to six if you can, just small into a cup of water and down that. And then back to a a five gram serve a day throughout your training block. You might even decide to go for a a week post-training as well just to keep those recovery benefits. So if your your load phase is is two weeks, you might extend it through your next recovery block as well. Uh, And try it for a a block or two and see how you go. Um, Mm -hmm. Ideally, you're going to try and get yourself a week up beforehand as well to build up in the system to make sure your stomach can tolerate it. Um, There's not a heap of reported GI distress um, issues with creatine and training but then some people don't always tolerate everything. So give yourself a week lead in, do a loading phase, maintain it five grams a day through your training and some recovery, uh, and then maybe come off it for the next block and just see how you go, see if it made any difference. How did you feel? Uh, it's probably the main thing with any supplementation is you need to self-evaluate all the time. Um, is it working for me? Did I give it long enough? Did I take enough? Uh, so therefore you can kind of Assess whether you're going to keep using it long term.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and again, no doubt people have got questions for Nick and they can uh, hit him up either on social media or over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website. You can contact him through that. Nick, what's your email address there?
1: Uh, Nick Taylor, N-I-C-K-T-A-Y-L-O-R dot E-P-C at gmail.com.
0: Brilliant. Any questions regarding creatine or the glutamine from uh, last week? Um, just fire them on through, and we can dig into them a little deeper.
1: Yeah, and while we're on that, if people, I'd love for people to reach out. What do you use before training? Like, what supplements do you use? Um, it's a big part of my life from my some of, some of the jobs I do around supplementation selling, uh, but then also in the research. There's so much around supplementation and different forms of stuff so i'd love to know what people are using do you find it beneficial have you ever reviewed it yourself and said do i take this do i feel better do i not feel better um so yeah give us a give us a shout and we'll we'll share some of the 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 pre-workout and post-workout recovery shakes that people are having and and so forth and go from there
0: awesome all right team we're going to jump into the harden up project for this week uh, and today we're going to be looking at some thoughts around injury pain and training discomfort now this has come primarily I got uh, an email from a listener about um, some of the concepts we talked about earlier in the harden up project and the Biggest thing they were just thinking was that listening to the some of the Harden Up project and seeing some of the little excerpts from the Harden Up project over on the Harden Up Facebook page and over on the Harden Up Instagram channel, that did I realize that I could inadvertently be increasing uh, the risk of injury to everyone that was listening because uh, there's a little bit of research out there that is actually around using like a, a, an act tough and always give 110% uh, sort of mentality actually increases injury rates in athletes. You know, slogans such as go hard or go home or no pain, no gain and so on um, are used are used a lot, but some of these can actually increase the risk of those athletes getting injured because they they push so hard and they don't don't listen to their body and this got me thinking um, along with another comment that um, I received about is this podcast no longer about training smart is it just about training harder now or hardening up and, and pushing through and so the first thing I was kind of a little bit disappointed because I've obviously haven't done a great job of getting the message of the Harden Up Project across um, if people are starting to think that's the only thing that we're about. Um, and it's definitely not a case of the podcast is no longer about training smart or training smarter. Um, if you are interested in training smarter, hopefully every episode that we, uh, we put out, there is some um, smart type information in there, but there's also, you know, 50 other episodes uh, leading into these that have a lot of specificity around that SMART type of training. So merging those two things together, I just wanted to think a little bit more about that, that idea that hardening up promotes injury, and the second thing around about hardening up not being training smarter anymore. So hopefully we come out of this on the same page and I can get my uh, concepts across to you that will leave you uh, better off in terms of training smart and and training hard. So the first thing I want to talk about is injury pain versus training discomfort. Now in episode 58, we talked a lot about the ability to endure pain, being able to push through that pain barrier when we're training, when we're racing. Nick was preparing for the Mototapu mountain bike race. And we talked to him about, you know, it's not going to feel good racing, you know, at a hard intensity. It's going to hurt because when you push at a high intensity on the bike or running or whatever your sport is, it, there's a lot of discomfort associated with it. And potentially I used the wrong terminology, Pain versus discomfort. But for me, when you're, you know, smashing it as hard as you can in a racing situation, it's pain, it hurts. It's that signal from your body that, um, you know, you're doing things right, you are pushing hard. But what I really want to make the, uh, the differentiation between is an injury pain, and everyone would have experienced an injury pain, that searing pain, that stabbing, that sharp um, pain that instantly comes on that lets you know that something's not right now we don't want to push through that type of pain especially in training you know in racing if it's a you know a big race and you're you're almost at the finish line or whatever it might be then use your discretion and push through uh, an injury pain as you like but during training and on a day-to-day basis be a little smart about things we don't want to harden up and push through an injury pain because then it's just going to delay our long-term progression or development. So knowing that injury pain and being very aware to avoid that injury pain when it does come about, I think, is one of the most important things an athlete can do. Everyone's pretty familiar with an injury pain. You know, It's, it's well built into us. If it's sore, we don't want to do it. But this is where it gets a little bit blurry around that that training discomfort or that training pain or racing pain as well, or discomfort. So when we train hard and when we're pushing up into you know our zone threes, zone fours and zone fives or above into our you know, neuromuscular power work, there's a certain level of discomfort that accompanies that. you know the increase in acidosis in our muscles. you know the more hydrogens, more hydrogen ions floating around causing that burning. Uh, feeling that sort of you know tight chest because we're breathing so hard and our heart feels like it's going to jump out of our chest or our legs our quads are going to you know exit our skin and just quiver on the road next to us at the end of an interval all of that exercise discomfort is different to injury pain and knowing that difference is really important so that when you are pushing if it does start to hurt in terms of that discomfort you know this isn't gonna cause an injury but if you feel like a ping in your calf muscle or your knees starting to get a bit gritty um, as you're running downhill well yeah that there is the signal that either an injury is occurring or has occurred and we don't want to push through that so just be a little bit smart about how you're interpreting the signals from your body Is it an injury pain? If it is, we need to knock it on the head uh, and work at rehabbing or getting rid of that pain. If it is just discomfort associated with training hard or pushing ourselves or racing to uh, maximum, then that's okay. We can deal with that. We need to work through that um, and be a little bit more cerebral about how we're interpreting those things. Not that it's, oh no, it's the end of the world. Because my legs and lungs are burning. It's, oh no, my lungs and legs are burning because I'm pushing really hard now. It's just feedback that I'm going fast. So hopefully that there ticks that box in terms of don't go out there and injure yourself because you're pushing hard through those warning signals from your body that something is wrong, that injury pain. We want to avoid that. Hopefully that's clear. Now, is hardening up in the Harden Up Project, is that not about training smart anymore? Has this podcast gone down the rabbit hole of we no longer train smart, we just find a brick wall and bang our head against it because that makes us hard? Hopefully no one's walking away with that uh, that concept of uh, we're just going we're just here to train hard but the reason of sort of jumped down the rabbit hole of hardening up and building mental resilience or mental toughness is what I found is even after fifty episodes of the podcast, multiple articles coaching lots of athletes, the number one thing I still found was that people would struggle to go and put those concepts into action. So they knew the information. They were smarter than they'd ever been in terms of their training information. They knew what to do. They knew how to do it. They knew how many reps to do. They knew what zone to do. They brought their heart rate monitor. They brought all the supplements they could. They brought a power meter. They got a new bike, new shoes, new wheels. All of this so-called smart training or smart you know way they pursue their sport was all done, but the thing is they weren't going out and doing the hard work now training smart isn't easy don't don't even think for a minute it's easy just because it's smart doesn't mean it's easy if you go out and do some Zone 4 or Zone 5 based intervals, that's really, really hard. And the reason it's really hard is because that's the intensity that your body needs to adapt to those adaptations and get the, you know, the performance gains that you're after. And you can't just think your way into anaerobic threshold development. You need to go out and do the physical work, and it, and it hurts, and it's hard. And what I found was the thing that was holding people back was that actual ability to push themselves and mentally get over that pain, mentally get out the door when it was cold, when it was wet, mentally push themselves to do the smart training. If we were thinking on the opposite side of smart training, let's call it dumb training, dumb training is kind of just going out doing the same thing over and over again probably just at a steady pace because it feels kind of zone 3 it feels kinda hard but it's comfortable if you're doing dumb training it's quite easy to do that because it feels good uh, and you're just kinda stroking your own ego every time you go out with smart training sometimes you've got to do things that are a little bit harder to do such as go slower into zone 1 to get that recovery hold back a little bit it's hard to do training in zone 2 go and do your rehab in the gym because you've got a niggly injury that's kind of hard to do because all you want to do is go out and you know smash yourself or you know go and ride and get some KOMs on strava or whatever it might be so training smart can often be really hard not just from an intensity perspective as in developing your anaerobic threshold or developing your VO2 max but doing some things that are mentally kind of hard because they don't always feel easy. They feel hard to do because you're not very good at them, working on your technique, um, yeah, doing your rehab in the gym, which could be boring, but it's the most important thing for you. So it's not about just training harder. It's being smart about when we push ourselves. It's being smart about when we train hard, so to speak, or harden up and get on with it. Not just in terms of the intensity and pushing ourselves maximally, but knowing when it's smart to hold back and hardening up and and dialing it back, hardening up and doing our recovery rides, hardening up and taking some time off over our recovery weeks. I know a lot of people out there don't like their recovery weeks because they don't feel like they're training or they're not feel like they're doing anything. Well, hardening up and doing your recovery is going to give you some of your biggest benefits at all. You can't recover and adapt from your training unless you take that time off. So harden up, not just time off, but do those easier sessions. So harden up and do those recovery weeks as they're outlined rather than thinking, "Mm, I'm just going to push up into zone two, zone three, because it feels kind of good can't be that bad. It can't be hurting me that much. But when it comes to the big overall picture of your training, those things do add up. So is the Harden Up Project not about being smart? Absolutely not. In my mind, at least, they go hand in hand. I obviously haven't done a very good job of explaining that to people. Um, Hopefully now we get that understanding that hardening up the Harden Up project is about getting you out there and doing the SMART training, which is often really hard, not just always physically hard, but often sometimes mentally very hard as well. Nick Taylor, passing it back to you, mate. Thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I think you summed that up pretty pretty well. And I guess it was it was tricky for me because I... I knew your intention coming into it so I've always had had that view of it anyway uh, as opposed to, to thinking outside the, the box that it was about just going harder and harder and, and so forth but I think you nailed it on the head with one of your last comments about hardening up from a training point of view is sometimes or, or, or being smarter with training is sometimes going slower and mm-hmm. sometimes taking the day off because you're just not feeling it or going to the gym when it's nice and sunny outside all you want to be doing is kayaking down the flat harbour but you've got a gym session scheduled not a kayak session and it takes the harder person and the smarter person to go in and do the rehab work because they know the bigger picture is there and they're uh, mm. investing in their training and uh, they're thinking about the bigger goal and that's the smarter that's the, the harder option is going inside when you want to be outside and I, I struggle with it especially over summer uh, from a mountain biking point of view, when the trails are riding so sweet, all I want to do is ride trails.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I should be out doing a longer ride on, on some days and I go and ride some trails and it's not the smarter move. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, a, certainly a, a an application of that, I think, for me is to, I've got to harden up myself uh, over the next summer. If, I, if I've got a goal of riding a race that doesn't involve trails, that I need to go and ride something that's not trails. Um, yep. So I think that's to, uh, the, the 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 kind of the sum of their the hard and Up project is about a applying yourself better when you are out doing the hard session and pushing through the discomfort and sort of achieving a, a higher level whether it be pace heart rate time power uh, PB uh, and I think I used the example the other week of you know someone going for their first five k run or the first two mm. k run for them that is the harder hard enough option they have to push themselves one block extra or, the, or one kilometre further. It doesn't have to be running 200 kilometres or riding for six hours. Uh, it can be a very small percentage of what some people are doing, but for that for person, it's it's all about they've, they've hardened up and they've got out the door and they've done it. Um, just like for these people at this end, the, the harder option is to, to do a 2K run or to sit down and have a cup of tea instead of going outside. Um, mm. So... Um, I think it's it's a it's a great application, um, and it's a nice that would kind s- of sort of set it and almost set it in stone now as to what we mean it to be. Um, so going forward, there shouldn't be too many confusions as to the fact that we're not telling people to go out there and smash through that sore back. Um, you know, okay, you've, you've twinged your back on rep number six of your deadlifts, but you better bloody well finish all ten of them. Type of thing. So,
0: yeah, that's exactly right, and I guess. Um... What I'm trying to do is go through all of the previous Harden Up episodes and cut out the Harden Up project from the podcast and have them as a bit of a standalone uh, podcast and video uh, or snippets of those. And I'm posting these up over at the Harden Up Facebook page, and that is over at Harden Up Project over on Facebook or over on Instagram at Harden Up Inc. as in I-N-C, to just build those concepts around the Harden Up project in general. Um, And also with the other um, aspects of the podcast, the last uh, 60-odd that we've done, there are little snippets of those coming out as well. So if you're looking for a little subject that we've talked about, hopefully you'll be able to go find a single video on that. Um, or pass that single video along to a friend that you've talked about a concept with, rather than saying, uh, here you go, sift through this you know, one-hour podcast episode that I think it's in there somewhere. So keep an eye out for those over on our social media. If you would like to help shape the direction of the podcast in the future, then send us through your questions or topics you would like us to dig into more on the podcast. You can do this either via voice message over at the exponentialperformancecoaching.com website. So it's just exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ask as an A-S-K, ask a question, and you can send us in your voice questions over there. Or you can do it uh, via a message either over on the website or Facebook or Instagram. For all of those resources we mentioned today on the podcast, they're going to be over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website. And that can be found at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 64 for episode 64. Make sure you don't miss out on any of the upcoming podcasts or videos by subscribing over on YouTube. And we had a comment the other day of, oh, it's nice to see your faces. Uh, while I'm listening to the podcast. So we do have a video version of the podcast, which is Nick and I talking over Skype for the last last few anyway, and we will endeavor to keep those going. So if you haven't checked those out uh, and you want to, head over to YouTube or come on over to the Exponential Performance Coaching Facebook page or find us over on Instagram to continue the conversation. Over on Instagram, I am at Matty epc and also harden up inc harden up inc and nick is over on instagram at it's underscore a underscore nicks underscore life until next time get out there and train hard but remember to also train smart it's a balance between the two we'll talk to you soon mate thanks for listening if you would like to
3: support this podcast and see it continue into the future you can do so in a number of ways firstly make sure you subscribe to this channel on whatever platform you are listening like and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word If you're feeling really generous, head over and leave a review and a rating over on iTunes. This helps spread the word and develop the podcast. Make sure you check out the range of t-shirts we have over at the Exponential Performance Podcast Store, and this includes the Harden Up t-shirts. All the profits from these will go straight back into the podcast directly to help the production of it. All of this will help the podcast continue long into the future so we can keep bringing you the information you need to train hard, but most importantly, train smart.
0: We'll talk to you next week.